Hello, and welcome to Enter the Fold, a Shadow and Bone podcast. I'm Caitlin, your host who has read the books. And I am Mandy Kay, your host who has not read the books. And this week we are talking about episode one of Shadow and Bone, A Searing Burst of Light. It was directed by Lee Toland Krieger, and Wikipedia says the teleplay was written by Eric Kesserer, the showrunner, but IMDb lists all the writers on this episode, so who really knows? I'm sure somebody does. They just haven't son- seen fit. Son- 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 fit is not word. I cannot word today. I like they have not seen fit, fit to nice. tell us. <laughs> All right. So this was your first real introduction to the world. How did you uh, like yeah. this episode? Were you intrigued? What are your thoughts? Um. Okay. So super intrigued, super confused. I'm really glad, like, I literally turned around and watched it again right after the first time I watched it. And the second time I took some notes. But I really, like, I texted you and was like, I really want to go to episode two, but we need to record episode one before I watch episode two. And I should probably just rewatch it. Because, like, I'm in it now. I'm invested in these characters. Good, good, good. I don't know why I'm invested in these characters. Because they're fabulous characters. (laughs) And, like, there are just so many things about this world that are so confusing. And I think if you hadn't given me the primer that you gave me in our introductory episode, I would be even more confused than I am now. Right. Like, there are just so many things I don't understand. And and clearly, I think the show doesn't want me to understand them yet. Like, I think at this point, all I'm supposed to know is that this is a world that hundreds of years ago, this black heretic dude created the fold yes and split Ravka and so now one side is like kind of really poor (laughs) the other side is not and uh there's a lot of like political and racial tension in Mm -hmm. this world Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that's about it I really want to see an actual map of this place that's labeled in languages I can read oh there there is because there's one in the book so you can find that online Okay. Well, does the one in the book match the, the one in the show? Because I, I mean, I haven't, I haven't looked up anything because I didn't want to be spoiled. Right. Um, but I the will, way they were talking about all these different places, um, I really kind of want to understand what does the world actually look like? Right. Who is actually impacted by the fold? Like, is it really just Easterovka is on one side and everybody else is on the other side? No, no, no. Okay. So here's what it is: the continent they're on. Uh, the north of the continent, I'll send you a map afterwards, but just for other people who might be confused. Um, the north of the continent has a, a country called Fierda. Under that country cold there. is Ravka. Okay. And under Ravka is Shuhan. So Fierda, think of that as being like, um, my brain just blanked. I can think of the area of the world, but my brain's not coming up with the word. Like Scandinavia. There we go. Okay. And then Ravka's Russia-ish. And then Shuhan is China-ish. Mm-hmm. Like culturally and uh, racially inspired okay. by, right? Okay, so right. those are the three countries. Ravka's in the middle. So to the north, they've got cold ice and Fierda and Fierdans despise Grisha and want to kill all of them. Well, it's more complicated than that, but briefly. And to the south are the Shuhan, and they, well, they do other things with Grisha, but they're another country that Ravka is at, at war with. Okay. You know, border disputes. That sort of normal stuff. Um, that makes more sense. I mean, I because I knew that they had talked about there there were ways around the fold. Yeah. It's just they couldn't go that way because they were at war with those people. 
So yeah. So hundreds of years ago, when the black heretic made the fold, he was, well, why we'll get into later, I presume. Um, but he was in the middle of Ravka. So it ended up cutting through Ravka. And the tip of it mm. at the north, I think, does go a little bit into Fierda, but not enough to really affect their country. And same thing in the south. Okay. Probably depending on where each country draws their borders, right? Right. So it's just Ravka. They can't go north because Fierda hates them, and they can't go south because Shuhan hates them, and they're and they're just stuck. Okay, that makes sense. For some reason, in my head, like I have east and west Ravka reversed. Oh yeah. On which side of the fold they're on, and I'm not sure why. It just. If you're looking at a map. East Ravka's on the right, West Ravka's on the left, and then there's the ocean, and out in the ocean is Ketterdam. Ah, okay. Because that's, that's off-continent. Right, right, okay. I did write down that Ketterdam was on an island. And that's um, in a country called Kerch, and they're kind of Dutch-inspired. Okay, okay. Interesting. And then there's brief mentions of Zemini in this episode, which is sort of on the other side of Kerch, and they're kind of... Uh, not a specific country from Africa inspired, but kind of Africa inspired. Hmm. Okay. Very diverse world in this seemingly small area of land. Yes. Ish. So that is geography lessons from Caitlin. Everyone, I'm sure that's why everyone tuned in today. <laughs> well, it's really helpful for me. Like I wrote down, I really kind of want to see a map because I was getting all of the places confused. Yeah. Um, especially since we were bouncing around, you know, um, and it, it wasn't until my second watch that I realized at the end they went back to East Rafka and like Alexi is the only one who ended up going oh. through the fold. They yes. turned around and they went back on the around. boat. Yes. Yes. I didn't catch that the first time through ah, yes. um, because I part of me was still I'm struggling with geography. That's, <laughs> that's, that's fair. Point. I'll send you a, a non-spoilery map later. Okay. That'd be helpful. Yeah. So the episode opens with an intro to our main character, Alina, but it also kind of goes over an intro to the politics because it comes up that she is half shoe and mm -hmm. is kind of treated like shit because of it. Right. I think it. the quote was something like, I look like my mother and my mother is the enemy, so everybody yeah. hates her. No. And that is show specific. She is not half shoe in the book. Oh. Yeah. She's okay. just Rovkin. I mean, she is Rovkin in the, you know what I'm saying? I know what you mean. I wonder why they introduced additional conflict. Yeah, and from what I've gotten from interviews, from interviews is that it wasn't like they didn't cast Jesse May Lee and think, "Oh, we should write this in." They wrote it in and specifically wanted to cast someone who was half Chinese. Hmm. Okay. So then we, and through our introduction to Alina, we also get kind of an introduction to the fold. Which, as far as we know, is the only antagonist at this point. Yeah. It, you know, it's beautiful on the screen. It's weird how they made something that's just, like, so dark and, like, turmoily look mm -hmm. so beautiful on the screen. Yeah, it's very different than what I pictured. But I like that it they made it look like it was reaching out. Because there's, like, little tendrils of darkness coming off of it. And it looks good. Um, and so we get a flashback. We get a lot of flashbacks in this episode, but right now we get a quick one back to Alina being a kid and talking to the woman at the orphanage whose name is Anakuya. And she mentions that the fold ate Alina's parents, mm -hmm. 
which is really, I guess, just a way to make it a little bit more menacing for us. Yeah, the this whole kind of section is setting up, I think, exactly what you just said, that as far as we know, the fold is the only antagonist yeah. we have because like her voiceover and all of this, she's talking about how, you know, people don't like her because she's half shoe, but she calls them, she says, they're not monsters. They're just boys. Yeah. And then as she talks about the fold, she says, I know who the true enemy is. Like she's internalized this idea that the people aren't her enemy, even if they're terrible to her. Yeah. It, I guess one of the things that I think, or one of the reasons that I think they made her shoe is because the story is sort of about Alina trying to find her place and making her half shoe does make her place even more, like does make her even more out of place. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's nice, I guess. Not nice for her. Mm. Right. But nice for the, <laughs> the theme. And about the fold being the antagonist, I just think that's interesting because it kind of makes this like a a man versus environment story almost if there isn't mm. someone who is the bad guy mm -hmm. and that is difficult to pull off and which is also another reason that i like that they have a whole host of characters that have interpersonal drama mm. <laughs> yeah yeah so it's going to be interesting because they're definitely setting up like through all of the stuff that was happening in Ketterdam with Kaz and Dreesen and all of like those folks who are also trying to find a way through the fold. So again, the fold is antagonistic to them, mm -hmm. but because of the power dynamics and the power struggles they're having on that side, like in their own little story, there's a villain. Yeah. Ish. But like, that's not going to impact Alina yet, if ever. Yeah. So it's, it's, I'm curious where they're going to take the story and how they're going to bring all of these characters together. I mean, obviously, at the end of episode one, Dreesen's like, bring me Alina Starkov. So that's how it's all going to come together. But like, it's, I don't know, it's just, it's super intriguing. And all that is brand new. Not I was thinking it was because it felt like maybe those might be some of the characters you were talking about in Six of Crows. Yes. Yeah. So Kaz. Jesper and Inej are from the sequel series, Six of Crows. So everything that happens with them is brand new or like adapted. Okay. Like from their backstories and that sort of thing. Okay. So you had told me that your favorite character was in Six of Crows, right? So my favorite Shadow and Bone character will not be in season one. My That's favorite okay. Six of Crows characters, well, like aside of all of them, because they're all amazing, but Kaz and Inej are really the best. Okay. I was thinking it was going to be an edge, so. Yeah. All right. Um, so then, sorry, back to where we were. We get our intro to Mal, uh, Alina's much more popular tall friend. And I guess we see him first as a kid and him hiding behind Alina uh, when somebody comes to, I don't know, beat them up, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, we flash to him as an adult and he's like, actually, I'm going to punch everyone. Right. I got to say that the casting they did for the young kids for Alina and Mal um, between when they were kids and now is actually pretty spot on. Yeah, I think it's really good too. And then Mal and Alina find each other in the army grounds. And we, oh, no, wait, 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 sorry. First, after Mal wins a fight, we get our first real look at Agrisha. Mm. The asshole heir, dude. Yeah, he would be a squalor. Yeah, squalor. Yeah, they have different names here than they did in the book, right? Nope. 
Okay. I thought, I, I don't mean characters. I mean like the squalor or fabricators. Is that what they called them? They, yeah. they sounded different to me than what you had said to me. In oh, uh, so there's micro and macro, I guess. Like I had explained uh, to you the overarching orders, but then within the orders, there's people who do different things. Got it. Okay. But when I was giving you an intro, I didn't want to go into so much detail. Got it. Okay. Um, so then Elian and Mal are reunited outside the fighting tent and uh, they see some more Grisha. Why are they setting the Grisha up to be so unlikable? Interpersonal drama. <laughs> um, but also, so I I think it's more akin to somebody who's been beaten down all their life, let's say, looking at people who are just given more than them. Okay. You know, it's... And also, yeah, that's what I would say. It's not, oh, no, sorry. It's, is it, it's because we're getting the story from essentially at this point, Alina and Mal's point of view. That's what I would say. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll take it. And there's probably, all, and well, there might be some truth to it. No, that's episode two. <laughs> Haven't watched it yet. Yeah. More stuff comes into play. Okay. So we, but we do see like somebody summoning fire and then again, somebody else summoning air. So you get the idea that. They don't all do the same thing. Mm-hmm. We also see that they are dressed much better and warmer than mm-hmm. our cartographer friends. Yes. And they don't look as ragged. Right. And then we get a good line about how people go into the fold and then don't come out. Or, yeah, because they're looking at the new the new skiff that's going to go in. And Alina asks, what happened to the old one? And Mal says, didn't come back. So it, this is another, I guess, piece of the lore or the, I don't know, just the world building that I'm struggling with a little bit because it's set up a little bit like you just don't cross the fold. Like if you go in, you're going to die. But mm-hmm. then the one sergeant guy said that he's done it successfully three times mm-hmm. and they clearly have a way to communicate because the people in West Ravka were waiting for them. And so kind of how that works is confusing and it may just be because i haven't seen enough of it because they were just giving me bare minimum information in episode one right so how people in west rafka knew to be waiting for them at that exact time that i don't know unless they're on like a strict schedule but there are crossings so in the next scene where they're in like the tent with a dude talking it up and giving them orders he mentions how they have to get supplies from the other side Mm -hmm. so it's not that people don't go in it's that it's dangerous to go in and a lot of people don't come out but they do have to go in because otherwise they've only got what they can make and grow in their own country, which is not much. Right. The first time I watched that, I was like, wow, he's really like trying to sell them on this thing. It's going to suck when they'd all die. Yep. I think there's two instances in this episode where somebody is saying something else, but it's clearly you're going to die. And this is the first one. Yeah. And then while they're in the tent and the dude's ridding off who's going to go, we find out that Mal has been chosen in the Hunger Games. Yes, exactly the Hunger Games. And he even makes a reference to the Nightmare Lottery. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely some Hunger Games vibes here. Do you want me to point out when things are different in the book or no? Um, I mean, I'm not going to know any better. So for me, I don't think it matters. Okay. If it's important to your enjoyment and understanding of the story, maybe? Uh, I don't think it's important. 
Okay. So let's move on. And then we switched to everybody's favorite, Ketterdam. I enjoy the introduction to Kaz. I, yes, it's perfect. It's wonderful. Uh, and the introduction to Jesper, because we meet Jesper first, mm-hmm. and he's gambling because it's Jesper. And then he has his guns and he shoots the, the money, but he winks first. Because even when he's fucking someone over, he has to be flirty. <laughs> okay. I don't even think I noticed that. I just, I love, like, the whole, so I, I am not enamored with Jesper yet. I didn't even know his name until you, you keep saying it. So that's, now I know his name. That's fair. <laughs> but, like, the first, okay, so the first time I watched it, I was like, why are they spending so much time telling us about how this painting was stolen? This is stupid. Like, I don't care. And then we find, we, we realized Cass is the one who stole the painting, which is fantastic. Uh-huh. But it wasn't until the second watch through that I realized that in, when he goes back into his room in his office or whatever and locks the door, like they don't hide that the painting is right there on the wall, but I didn't notice it oh. <laughs> the first time through until they blatantly called it out when he's talking to, what's her name? Inej. Inej. You know, when he's like, I don't, you know, whatever your higher power is. And he's specifically talking about the fold and then they cut to just the full screen of the painting. I'm like, oh my God, he stole the painting. Yes. The second time through, like, it's just casually on the wall behind him in this whole scene. Mm -hmm. And it's brilliant. And I love that we got this introduction to him because it tells you everything that I think that I need to know about this character. Right. Right. He's, he's credible. He has abilities and skills. If he could pull off the theft, the way this person was telling us about it, mm-hmm. like it gives us a reason to kind of believe that he can do things. That is a good point. So what I wrote down about why I liked the intro to Kaz so much is that he's a bit of a jerk to Jesper. Mm. And, and I like, I like how we get like that note that Jesper is actually supposed to be doing something else. And that he listens to Kaz and that Kaz is a little bit of a jerk. And then they do give a good wide shot so you can see him limping, which Mm -hmm. is important to Kaz. And then when he gets into his room, they have a great scene where he goes over to a basin and he starts to take off his gloves. But the camera pans up so you don't see his hands. And then when Inez shows up, the gloves are back on, which I'm sure you did not notice this, but I noticed it. And it was so good. Okay. I'm sure then there's a reason for that. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. Well, that's because I have a question about somebody else's hand. Oh, okay. Later. Interesting. And then Inej comes into Kaz's room silently, although Kaz obviously knew she was there. And she has info about a million Kruger job being offered by a rich merchant. Sounds intriguing to me. And then we also learn, or well, Inej mentioned, mentions the menagerie and that Kaz is paying off her indenture Mm -hmm. and he has that great line where he says I only invest in the one of a kind and apparently nobody is like her but I don't actually know what that means well we do see that she brought him useful information and that she was spying on people right but she tries to tell him that this other woman is skilled like she is and he's like no nobody's like you and so that leads me to believe that there must be something very special about her that we just aren't necessarily aware of yet Mm -hmm. just one of those things where you can't say anything to me about it no it's uh i mean like well i i I guess i could but i mean i guess he could just love her i mean do you think kaz loves anything other than money i don't know well and leverage (laughs) 
I don't know enough about him yet. That's fair. One episode in. Yeah. So that, this whole thing about him paying off her indenture is very different in the book. And um, Inej never mentions really that any of the other girls from the menagerie could help. So I don't really know what the show is trying to do there. Other than okay. maybe show us that Kaz is kind of a jerk. Mm. Okay. Yeah, he is a little bit of a jerk, but I still like him. Yeah. And that's weird. I don't usually like the jerks. This is Kaz in a nutshell right there. Yes. So, yeah, it's... I. They got me. They, yeah. they got me in with him, so... And then we're back to Ravka and more racism. Everyone's favorite. Dude, this cook dude can just go somewhere. <laughs> so, yeah, the food server notices that Alina is Shu or, and tries to send her to the back of the line. Her friends try to stick up with her, stick up for her, but she's like, no, I don't know them, and she just storms off. Mal notices and tries to steal some grapes from mm -hmm. the Grisha tent. I don't know why grapes. I mean... It seems like a maybe maybe it's a luxury, but it's not going to fill you up. So I don't know. But he is caught by Zoya, another mm. squalor. I liked her. She's fast. very sassy. Yes, she's very sassy. Um, my question is: so when she when when Mal left, she did this hand flicky thing to turn off the to blow out the candle in their tent. Mm -hmm. There was something on her wrist. Yes, there was. Good catch. And I don't know what it was. Part of me wonders, is that the bone that they're talking about in Shadow and Bone? Or is that just some like weird bracelet? I, it was so quick. I couldn't tell what it was. Mm -hmm. But they all wear gloves all the time. Mm -hmm. And she wasn't wearing a glove. And there was a thing on her wrist. So I have questions. Can you tell me anything about that yet? Uh, I, I can tell you all about it if you want me to. In the spirit of our podcast, can you tell me anything about that yet? Nothing that's, I mean, it'll come up in an episode. Okay. All right. Then I'll just wait. I will say that is a very good catch, though. Okay. I have so many theories. Not a lot, but they're, they're a thing. Like, it could be anything, but it could be nothing. I don't know. Could be nothing. Uh, there's an interesting change here, I guess, because in the book, Zoya and Mal did sleep together. Okay. I was honestly surprised he walked away. So, I mean, I think they're trying to make early Mal more likable. Okay. Because they've changed him a good deal from the book. Was he less likable in the book? <sighs> He was kind of just blah in the book. Like, for me personally, I don't know how everybody else feels, but I just didn't care about him at all. Like, not mm -hmm. one way or another. I was afraid they were going to set this up to be a Peta and Gale kind of thing between Mal and Ben Barnes. Right. Who we've only seen the back of his head so far in episode it one. It is like ep epic power shot. <laughs> right? In that cave. That was so good. <laughs> um, But I am... Not entirely sure that Mal's still alive after the end of episode one. So right. I think they're going in that direction. But but we do get a nice scene between Mal and Alina where she like offers to shoot him in the foot. So she obviously loves him. Oh, she's clearly in love with him. <laughs> but they just sort of chat for a bit and reminisce about their friendship. And then I think we're back in Ketterdam and the mm -hmm. crows trying to research a way across the fold, which gives us another or some more info on how deadly it is because everybody is just like no 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 right it's i found this whole kind of it's essentially a montage right of yeah basically them being told no but you learn a lot kind of about the geopolitical climate and there's a lot of anti-ravkin and anti-grisha sentiment yes on that side of the fold mm -hmm. but you've still got people like inej who believe there's going to be a sun summoner and that's part of her faith and so I'm not really sure how that all fits together. Right. 
So I guess I I guess this doesn't really affect anything. Inej is originally from Ravka. Oh, okay. So it makes sense then that she would believe. Yes. And there is a difference between the saints and Agrisha. So her believing that a saint might show up who is a sun summoner doesn't necessarily mean that she believes it's going to be Agrisha. Okay. That's good. That's a good understanding to have. It just, there's a lot going on. I mean, this is a huge world to like learn everything about it in one episode. And so that's why- I have a lot of questions and there were a lot of things that are confusing. And I'm sure that the more that I'm in this world, a lot of it will make more sense. Yeah. And uh, literally all I have. I guess that's kind of a good episode one then if it just leaves you with like, I need to know more. Yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. I, the second time through was easier because like after having gotten to the end of it, Mm -hmm. like some of my earlier questions had been answered by the end of it, or at least I was starting to get a better picture. Right, right, right. Um, so, I mean, in the grand scheme of things of, of adapting, I think, a fantasy world into a medium where people may not have any experience at all in it, I think has been successful so far. Yeah, I, I think so, too, especially since they do a really, really good job of on both sort of sides of the story in this episode, setting up how dangerous the fold is, mm-hmm. but also that people do need to cross. Right. And at this point, they haven't even mentioned why it's dangerous, like what happens in there, just that people go in and they don't come out. Yeah. It eats people, apparently. (laughs) It ate her parents. Yeah. It was just such a weird line. I liked it, though. Yeah, it was good. Just so early in the episode, it ate your parents. Yeah. And it's just, it's interesting that the people in East Rafka choose to go into the fold because it's a matter of survival for them. Like they have to go get supplies. Everybody else does it because they can, or they're trying to get money for something, right? It's not a, quite the same. Right. Well, I mean- That's my understanding at this point. Everybody loves smuggling. Right. But smuggling is for money. It's not yeah. life. In- Although as we see, like everybody they talk to is like, no, like the, the guy even says, you take your time or you take your chances. Yeah. True. And then we get a quick history lesson from the crows. Which is Kaz and Inish and Jesper. I I probably shouldn't call them the Crows because that's not even the name of their gang. But anyways, um, I think we kind of went over this earlier. The fold was made hundreds of years ago by the Black Heretic, who was a Grisha who controls Shadow. And there is now another Grisha who controls Shadow in the army. He's the general, General Kerrigan, Ben Barnes. I liked Inej's line here where Jesper was like, well, why doesn't he just stop it? And she's like, have you ever seen a fire put out by putting more fire on it? Like, that's such a great like metaphor yeah and and succinctly sums up why he can't do anything right yeah she also has a great line when jesper says something like uh there's something i don't get and she's like we're gonna be here all night rude yeah i love them so much <laughs> so while they're having their history lesson oh and they do talk about how you know has Ravka tried digging under and they did but something heard them digging uh-huh. and then they get info from the merchant about the job that the merchant who's offering the job needs a heart render, who is a type of Grisha. Mm-hmm. And the only one that they have access to is an indenture at a brothel. And they also learn that the leader of a rival gang also knows about the need for a heart render. And the leader of that gang is named Pekka Rollins. That's such an unfortunate name. And he seems like a bit of an ass. Just a little. Yeah. He just walks into a room and like knee bashes a dude. And then we're back... In Ravka, General Kirigan arrives 
and very uh, dedicated to his aesthetic. <laughs> right? <laughs> like six black horses and a black carriage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Why does he need that many horses to pull that small little carriage? The aesthetic. Right, right. Yeah, I know he's totally dedicated to that mess. Yeah. I can't wait to actually meet him. He's I I enjoy uh Ben Barnes. He's great in everything I've seen him in and he was perfectly cast. Just perfectly I, cast. I saw and I we can probably talk about this once we actually have an episode where he's really in it, but mm-hmm. I saw that he was like Lee Bardugo's choice for fan casting like years ago. And so it's kind of serendipitous that he actually got the part, which is neat. Well, I think they just called him up and said, will you do this? Well, that works. Yeah. And at first (laughs) I think he said no. And then they were like, whoa, wait, wait, read episode two. Mm, And then he said yes. Oh, well, now I'm really intrigued about episode two. Well, just because he wasn't in episode one. So I feel like I need to tell you, I, there is no way I'm not going to bench this. Oh, that's fine. Like I, I waited so that because I knew we were recording today, mm-hmm. and so I waited. But there's no way I'm not going to binge the rest of it. So okay. I'm sorry, dear listeners. I am not going to be like unspoiled <laughs> the next time you hear from us. I mean, I don't think many listeners are going to be that way either. So makes sense. Right. We'll just have to do our best to keep our talk to the one episode. But better notes, better yeah. notes. <laughs> so then Alina decides. There is no way Malice crossing that fold without her. Yeah, I couldn't figure out what she was doing, like, at first. I was like, why is she looking for a map? Like, if if it's the map they needed to get across the fold, they should already have it with them, so this doesn't make sense. And then, I like, after she did it, I realized that was actually a beautiful tactical thing. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's the maps they need afterwards. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I certainly would never have had the forethought to, to do something like that. It's smart and... I guess it really just is another thing about how she feels about Mel and how important he is to her. Yeah. Oh, I just realized I skipped over something that's kind of important. Eh, it doesn't matter. Probably best not to bring attention to it anyways. <laughs> now I'm curious because we haven't skipped over anything in my notes, so it's something I clearly didn't notice. Well, it's not something you would. It, it, would, okay. it would literally be me being, look at this foreshadowing. We should look at it. Oh, okay. You should keep a list of those. Yeah. And then when it's important later, when the thing it's foreshadowing comes up, we can talk about it. Yeah, yeah, um, I Before, I guess, she burns the maps, I do think, I do like that we get a bit of Alexi, uh, who is Alina's friend, another map maker, and some of Mal's two friends whose names escape my mind. Just, like, they just get a little bit of personality. And mm-hmm. that was nice. So then once the maps are burned, Alina volunteers to go on the skiff, but the mean dude is like, nope, your entire unit is going. Don't think that's what she meant to do. Yeah. And then this is where we get the Kerrigan power shot, which is really nice. Hmm. And- this whole like this whole boat on land thing is weird to me. Like, wouldn't it make more sense to have an enclosed vessel where the Vol- Volcra mm-hmm. couldn't just swoop in and pull people off the deck if they were like in something enclosed like they could still have sails that a squalor could like manipulate they just leave the squalor outside no the grisha wouldn't go for that um i mean if they they could have like a slit in a wall that they put their hands through so that they can get to the air mm -hmm. but like still be inside i don't know it just it feels very inefficient and like there could be better ways to, to to try and do this is all i'm saying yeah i don't know Maybe they've tried it. Maybe we don't know. 
Maybe. That one isn't even a lie. I genuinely don't know how they came up with this design. Yeah. I guess maybe, I mean, it did also, I can't remember what they called it, but it had the word light in it. And at first I thought they were talking about it's light against the darkness. Mm Mm-hmm. But then they're not allowed to have light when they're in there. So that's not what it is. Like the whole thing doesn't light up like a firecracker. So maybe it's like weight. Maybe oh, it's yeah, light yeah, yeah. So it was, that it'll move fast. When, yes. When they talk about how it looks like, they were talking about the weight. Yeah. And so maybe if it's an enclosed vessel, it's just too heavy and they can't go fast enough. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I've got. But like, I feel like I would go a little bit slower if it meant that a dragon creature couldn't just you know, eat me off the deck. It's funny that you say that. Anyways, so they they go into the fold. It's very dramatic. I actually really loved the scene of the boat slowly approaching. They did a lot of, it was very, the appropriate amount of hyped up because then mm-hmm. they go in and it's just darkness. And the trick to crossing the fold is, of course, to be quiet and go unnoticed. Mm-hmm. But sadly, that does not happen. And the Volcra come to kill and eat them all. Yeah, my note here is idiot boy with the lantern. Yeah. It's all very intense. And, like, more people were eaten than I expected to be eaten. <laughs> yeah, I enjoy that they, they cut the sex from the book. But violence, A+. plus. <laughs> I mean, because both of the Grisha that we had seen on the boat, I guess there were at least three, but there were two. There was the one who was actually doing the air, mm-hmm. like, they pulled her right out, and then the 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 inferni the fire one. The, yeah, the inferni. She was like, "Come here, you coward!" And he's like, "Okay," and eats yeah. her. <laughs> yeah, that was nice. Um, and like, then Alexi wow. just books it on foot, which I thought was hilarious. That whole thing was done really, really well. Yeah, the thing with Alexi, and then that sort of or and then. Mal is attacked and Alina gets a gun and saves him. But then they're having their emotional goodbye because they're both going to be eaten. And then Alina's picked up by a Volcra and then we just see some light. And then we cut back to Ketterdam. No. Yes. Well, we see yes. that Alexei makes it to West Rovka on foot, presumably because all the Volcra were distracted. Yeah. Two hours later from when they were supposed to arrive, he comes yeah, out he on comes foot. Out. And uh, my note here is I like Kaz in a fedora. <laughs> and yeah, we come back to Ketterdam. Pekka has killed the dude instead of making a deal with him. Um, but Kaz has already taken the heart render and they go to meet the merchant and get the job. The merchant, surprise, surprise, has Alexi. I really liked the timey-wimeyness there. That was really well mm-hmm. done, I thought. Yeah, realizing, because he, he says, you know, two weeks ago, this guy came out of the fold on foot. Yeah. And I was like, wow, this whole time, we've been two weeks in the future. Yeah, that's um, good. Yeah, I liked it. Done really, really well. And then we see from Alexei's point of view what happened with Alina, and he calls her the Sun Summoner. Mm-hmm. And this is the second time that we see somebody try to set, try to assure some people, like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to set you free, when he's very clearly saying, yeah, I'm going to kill you. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> Pekka Rollins did the same thing to the, yeah, basically. the dude. Yeah. And then he gives up Alina's name and then goodbye, Alexi. Goodbye, Alexi. Um, and this is also where we find out that Alina is not dead. Right. The boat did come out of the fold back to Istrovka, Um And it's unclear if Mal is dead or not. Unclear, yes. They called, they called for a healer for them. So... I'm assuming then he's probably not dead, but 
I thought he was for a long while there. He's not. Well, that's good. It would really suck if her best friend died in the first episode. That Although it would what? also make sense because it would compel her to move her forward in this new Sun Summoner army thing that she's going to do moving forward based on the trailer. So I didn't know. Mm. No, he lives. Okay. So then it really could be a, a Peta and Gale thing that they're setting up. It could be. I would say it's different, but it could be. Okay. All right. And that is episode one. And are you going to start episode two right away? Uh, Yeah. <laughs> have i said anything that would make you think i wouldn't i will Dev, i mean i mean we're recording again on sunday so for sure i have to watch oh that's true episode two before then but yes no i will because i'm like i may even if, if i'm gonna try to convince joseph to watch it with me which means i'll have to watch episode one a third time <laughs> but fine. i'm okay with that um because it's good like production values on it are great yeah, there there were some times where I could very much be like, oh, they're definitely on a soundstage here, but not, none of it was distracting. Yeah, uh, but yeah, no, definitely. I'm not going to hold back on this one. I'm I'm in it. Wonderful. I, I was not, I got to be honest, I was not sure about this world, but you were so excited about it. Mm-hmm. I was like, I have to. Like, I, I can't say no to Caitlin. I have to do this with her. I appreciate I'm that I'm sure it'll be fine. And then I watched the first episode, and now I'm like, I want to go read the book, but I can't read the book till after the show, because that's, Cause we you have know. A whole, we have, our intro has been written, Mandy. Right. That's half the, the draw of our podcast, <laughs> yeah. is I don't know what it's about, so. <laughs> How are you, I mean, I don't want to stop you from doing whatever you want to do, but like, after this season is over, do you think you'll just read all of the books? Yes. Yeah, that's. What are we going to do for season two, which hasn't even officially been approved, but I'm living in optimism. I don't know. I, don't know. I could probably be persuaded not to. No, I mean, I love the book, so do live your life. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll have to rewrite our intro, but you know, it's fine. <laughs> so yeah, but for now, haven't read the books, really enjoying the show after only one episode. Great. And uh, we're going to sign off here because Caitlin needs to go binge the rest of season one. I've only watched three episodes and it's killing me. Okay. Unless, sorry, did you have any other questions or wrap up thoughts? No, no, I think we're good. I think this is a good place to say goodbye. Great. As as a book reader, I do just want to say everyone looks wonderful and so much is exactly how I wanted it, pictured it. I love Kaz and Inej so much. And everybody else. I'm glad. I'm glad. All right. So if you want to join in the conversation, you can tweet us at EnterTheFoldPod or email us at EnterTheFoldPod at gmail.com. And friendly reminder, Mandy does not check the email. So if you want to ask us any spoilery questions, go right ahead. Uh, Yes. I'm Caitlin, and you can follow me and find my other shows on Twitter at InferiorCaitlin. I am Mandy Kay, and you can find this show and all of the other Eloquent Gushing shows at eloquentgushing.com. We are also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing, or you can just find me on Twitter at Mandy Kay. And remember, I like to bet on myself whenever I can, but usually with other people's money. <laughs>